0: It is great to see this gentleman on Bull in the Basement. It's been a bit since we've been able to to work this out and get it done. And I hate to say it. It's really sad to say this, that the lockout is helping this happen. Uh, (laughs) But uh, Ben Wagner joins us, who baseball fans know worked. How many years in Buffalo as a play-by-play voice?
1: 11 seasons with the
0: Herd. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, elevated, obviously, to the Blue Jays. And damn it. I, f- I feel so bad for you, dude. Like 2020 COVID, 2021 COVID, 2022 lockout. You can't catch a break, man. You landed your dream job and you just can't catch a break.
1: Yeah, it was fun while it lasted, as they say, right? Right. Um, you know, you know COVID, COVID wrecked a lot of things. And with so many unknowns going back to that 2020 season and the way that the season had to happen, Miraculously, it happens. Oddly, it happens in Buffalo, and we're stuck in a studio in Toronto. And then last year, 2021 was a whirlwind for a number of different reasons. Um, I mean, even the broadcast aside, but, you know, the Blue Jays had to play three different states or provinces, starting in Dunedin, which was an experience in its own right. Uh, I knew Buffalo would shine when hosting the Blue Jays again, and. Uh, It did its part. Unfortunately, there were some detractors with the Yankees and the Red Sox series as they unfolded in Western New York. Um, That was pretty much the the breaking point for the players and the coaches, but still fun to be a part of um, and watching Major League Baseball happen in Buffalo. And then once that team came back to Toronto, boy, to be part of that and to be on site. Once again, you know, be part of the radio broadcast when they brought that back in 2021. You know, that was that was just incredible. That was, that was so far a very – it was an unfortunate career highlight, but it's still one of those highlights. You know, Thankfully, being part of it, being connected, being in Toronto, being part of a 670-day gap with a team coming back that was so explosive, so exciting with the players and just its, its offense and its pitching availability and the trade deadline, everything kind of like morphed into this huge ball of momentum going down the stretch. Uh, certainly I won't forget about it over the course of my career, but thankfully I won't have to ask people what it was like either because I got to live it Yeah. and, uh, falling just shy of the playoffs for the blue Jays last year, you know, and that was really the goal that they thought that they had a contending team and talking with people on other organizations. Nobody wanted to play the blue Jays. And then it just came to a halt kind of like baseball as we know it in the calendar. Now it just, it just, wham the door slammed and we all sit and wait on whatever this is going to be.
0: Yeah. Uh, And of course that is the elephant in the room. We'll get to the lockout in a second, but um, the good, if there is um, any good news out of it is that you're in Gulf coast, central Florida in Dunedin, the spring training home of the blue Jays, which is nice for you. You at least get to sit by the pool maybe have a pina colada. You know what you'd rather be working. I know this, but at least you can enjoy the weather for a little bit. Um, And I will tell you, Ben, I have been to, I was in Dunedin two springs ago, and what a great little town. I mean, it's got a bar called the Crown and Bull, for God's sake. How could I not like it? But it's an adorable little town, and what a cool place to, to have a home for the Blue Jays for you to you know, spend your spring there.
1: I heard you covered the mortgage uh, during your stay here at Credit (laughs) and Bull. Uh, They're they're still talking about you. You're a legend.
0: right?
1: Um, You know, Dunedin Dunedin and really the Gulf side of Florida has its own unique style to it. Uh, There's Key West and deservedly so on the southern end in the chain of islands that's got its own little vibe and thing going on. You've got the east side of Florida, which is a little bit more flashy. You've got Miami. You've got, you know, the loud music and the club scene and all that stuff. So. You come over from the pit bull side of Florida to our little Jimmy Buffett side with beach towns and little resorts and mom and pops, you know, that date back to the 50s. And then, of course, the big, big resorts, too. But then you find these little towns like Sarasota, uh, Bradenton, and Dunedin fits right in that mold, too. And a lot of them have had baseball. Dunedin, of course, goes all the way back to the infancy of the Toronto Blue Jays, the Philadelphia Phillies, our 15-minute drive away. The Yankees are a 40-minute drive away. It's a great little pocket for a number of reasons, baseball being what drew me here, and that's by design, uh, so I could get the best of both worlds. You know, I could have my feet up in the sunshine when we were waiting on baseball. Unfortunately, it's too long of a wait right now. I'd rather be at the complex. And thankfully, with minor league camp happening, and this is a direct connection to Buffalo for you, but minor league baseball will happen. It doesn't matter what the major leagues do, whatever that delay is. So – in the background here, a couple of minutes away from me, baseball is happening. The coaches are here. The players are here. The, you know, if you're not on the 40 man roster, you've been brought into town. So thankfully the gears are starting to move a little bit slower right now than what everybody would like, but at least it's happening. So yeah, Dunedin has a big baseball community. It's got a ton of transplants in it. It's got a ton of baseball fans and it's got a unique little vibe in a really little cool ballpark that they've redone in the last couple of years. Um, you know, The Big Splash was supposed to be 2020 where they unveiled this ballpark, and I think it hosted two home games <laughs> before the shutdown. So uh, not everybody has gotten uh, a chance to experience the refresh Re- ballpark here in Dunedin, but, um, but it's, it's definitely worth the visit, and of course the weather is always inviting here.
0: So, I mean, most of your adult life you've been working in baseball. I mean, is that fair to say? So, yeah okay okay yeah. so and so I, I, I only really bring that up because um, I've had the privilege of actually going on with a bunch of buddies a spring training trip where we literally went like for about a week to ten days to about five to seven different ball ga- ballparks probably saw anywhere between 10 and 14 clubs And man if you're a baseball fan and and I, I I'm assuming you've only done it on the sort of the professional level, but um being a baseball fan that is one of the coolest things you can do right I mean you, you just you just mentioned it, how close everything is, especially down in that little area uh, but central Florida man you you can you can uh, uh, make your way around there pretty easily, pretty I want inexpensively for the most part depending on how you do it and you get to see a lot of really good baseball.
1: Yeah, you do and, and for people that don't know baseball basically happens this time of year in two spots Arizona which is the greater Phoenix area. And then you've got Florida, which is a little bit more spread out. So depending on how you navigate your trips, uh, you can go to Arizona. And that is a great experience as well. And all those ballparks for a large part are a maximum of 40 minutes apart. So, I mean, you can cover a lot of baseball in a short amount of time if you're in Arizona here, you have to be a little bit more strategic to it. Again, this area is really convenient because of the teams that I'd mentioned Plus, within two more hours, you've got the Twins, you've got uh, the Orioles, you've got Atlanta, you've got the Red Sox, you know, just in that string of 75 running down the Gulf Coast. And then the pocket of play that's over here. And then on the other side, you've got another collection of teams. So, yeah, if you spend a week down here, you can easily knock out a couple of games, uh, see a handful of teams, you know, that you want to want to see especially on this side, really popular teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox and Philadelphia Phillies, of course, the Blue Jays and and a number of teams that are kind of playing in this pocket over and over and over. But that's been my life. I mean, I, I walked out of college as a 22, 23 year old, and I've been in professional baseball now for almost 20 years. And this is a really special time of year you know because it's just the intimacy the proximity to the players it's a very laid-back approach days mostly are structured so if you show up at the ballpark and the clubhouse opens 8 eight thirty in the morning odds are guys have tea times at one you know so yeah. nobody's like kind of lingering and there are no extra innings so you can make dinner plans and you can have plans you know to grab a happy hour with somebody you know that you meet along the way so it's a really really special time of year and um I, I, I mean, you, I, I walk through the parking lot and I see Bill stickers and, and uh, a number of <laughs> a number of, less and less Sabre stickers these days, by the right. way. But um, but Fair. obviously Western New York and in that pocket of the country, a massive transplant uh, in this area for, for people to come down. So it's not it's not like I'm too far away from little spotches along my along my baseball, along my baseball
0: path. Uh, Let's go back to Buffalo um, before we get to the lockout. So talk to me uh, in your discussions with players, management coaches, what generally was their takeaway from their extended stay in, in Buffalo, obviously last year in front of fans the year before no fans generally, what was, was their takeaway um, from their time here in, in Buffalo
1: overall, overall, a very positive experience but underlying with it was the best experience that nobody wanted to deal with uh, you know that's the bottom line and that's not a knock on the city that's not a knock on the ballpark that's not I mean it was just a situation that nobody wanted to be in and and that's not even a factor in western New York that had to deal with the Canadian government um, and just things that were out of the control of the entire organization let alone baseball and that end of it the the speed and the capacity that things had to happen back in 2020 um, was eye-popping and the transformation that had to happen for a stadium really that wasn't prepared one or even thought of it wasn't supposed to be a major league venue and provide all the things that major league ballparks have in today's standard because that ballpark opened its doors in 1988 that's not I mean that's That's just it. You know, so they they got creative with the spaces, the Bisons now and teams decades from now will benefit from that. And the ripple effects from 2021 going back, there wasn't ideal either in 2021, but at least they had the fortune of the calendar to make some significant upgrades. And uh, with the, the construction that was happening at the ballpark, the players knew that they were going to walk into a different situation. And from a day to day and just logistic, how they do their job situation, it was going to be better, and that was recognized. Um, you know, for the most part, not only did a lot of the Blue Jay players play there, but a lot of the teams that the Blue Jays hosted had players that played in the International League and came through Buffalo as well. So they understood the ballpark. You know, the lightings were up; the lighting system was upgraded. They did a lot of cosmetic things to make it look. Uh, like a Blue Jays broadcast, you know, from a selfish standpoint, but bases were still 90 feet, 60 feet, six inches from home plate to the mound. A lot of that stuff. And on a pristine field, by the way, I mean, you cannot knock since really 2011, 2012, that playing surface in Buffalo is top notch. And I heard that from minor leaguers. I heard that from major leaguers. And I heard that from guys that had both experiences last year going to Toronto and also played in Buffalo, that playing surface at, at Coca-Cola or Salem Field, sorry, old habits die hard. Uh, at, at Salem Field is top notch.
0: They also you did know, those the, are some of the things.
1: Yeah. yeah, those are some of the things, you know, that that um, that make a difference. You know, if there if there were three or four bad hops a night, you'd hear guys graveling about that. And being stuck in a minor league ballpark, in this, that, and the other, um, and that was happening. That was also happening in uh, in Dunedin, to be honest with you. You know, because the 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 porch was short here in Dunedin, and the wind was blowing out. And did the Blue Jays benefit from some of that? Yeah, they did. Did other teams benefit from some of that? Yeah, they did. Um, you know, but the the playing, the competitive level of the the playing facility. Definitely evened out when they went to Western New York and in Buffalo. Um, you, you know, so, and, and again, uh, this is no surprise to me because I lived it and, and I saw the passion from baseball fans, Western New Yorkers who love to support things to do in Western New York and whatever is the big thing to do in Western New York, they come out in droves, whether it's a, a marquee event, a welcome home from uh, an athlete or somebody of prominence in Western New York, or, a chance to host major league baseball, people were going to come out in droves. And that, that definitely was no surprise. And I saw the best of it, you know, end of June, end of July. And, you know, take, take the, sh- I, I, listen, I know there are Yankee and Red Sox fans in Western New York and it's the one time that you've got a 15 minute commute to see your team. Yep. Listen, I get it. Um, but you know, that's, that didn't sit too well with the blue Jays. <laughs> <I> bad. <bet. laughs> um, uh, you, you know, it's still supposed to be a home field advantage. And a couple of nights, unfortunately, it wasn't. And that's what made the return to Toronto just so gratifying.
0: That that leads me to a question I was going to ask you. At, at any point, did they feel like it was their home? Or was it always kind of the feeling of neutral site? Stop
1: uh, stopgap. I don't want to say it was a neutral site, you know, because I, I think that first homestand and there were – other days in including the one that, you know, I was there in late June and July to cover that homestand. And, um, you know, there were certainly days and rallies that it felt much more like a home crowd. Uh, but I think that this was more of a, a spectacle and things to do versus you're living and dying on every pitch. Yeah. And that was the big, that was the big difference when the when the ball club came back to Toronto, they were only allowed 15,000 people in the ballpark. And that 15,000 was a very much, a, one, it sounded much larger than 15,000. But it was also passion driven, you know, where you were groaning and celebrating with a strike call or a borderline pitch. And, you know, you would get a bigger murmur from the crowd on a slap single in the third inning than, you know, you would on a normal july or august day certainly the the investment from the fan base was was a significant difference you know when they made the transition from western new york to toronto
0: okay so now to the elephant in the room and as best you can in terms of layman's terms um what are the issues between the owners and the players and to your best guess when do you think it's going to get taken care of and 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 just just from a fan's perspective it blows my mind considering what the world has gone through in two years that they couldn't figure out a way to put this on hold for a year or two until we came out of the pandemic and at least let the fans have their game.
1: Uh, okay. So start first with the original question. What's it, what's it boiled down to? I'm going to say a four letter word. <laughs> I'm going to say a four letter word cash. <laughs> That's what it, it boils does. down to. Yeah. It, it, it boils down to money. Right. Um, That's, that's the unfortunate part of it. And here's the thing to remember in the last couple of collective bargaining agreements, the players lost out big time and they finally have got enough guys or at least whether it's directly with the players or whether it's the players leadership that they're turning to. in some of these negotiations, they have turned the tone in the room to focus on the bigger picture, to help more players. And it's not about the Clayton Kershaws, Max Scherzers, Francisco Lindors, uh, Garrett Coles of the world who have mega money, mega money, but also protection of long-term contracts. More, More than anything now, these big voices and their presence within the game are also trying to represent a greater good here. Which was the emphasis of the union, even going back to the Marvin Miller days, where they had to have the bigger picture and they had to have the, a little bit more of a future in sight so they can move this thing. So the last, the last couple of CBAs, the, the Players Association has gotten bogged down on minutia and silly things, silly things that would make the casual baseball fan and certainly the passionate baseball fan, roll their eyes. Like, really, this is what you were concerned about? Having private chefs and not paying dues in the clubhouse mm-hmm. when you're on the road or when you're at home? Like, this is what you're hung up on? Well, yeah, that's what the modern player, the modern athlete started to get influenced by because, one, organizations made health, science, sports performance such an emphasis. And you saw the impact on what it was making in the NFL. NBA also really fast-tracked this into the game, and now players that were in the minor leagues that never had these resources are getting them in droves, the major league level, but it was also a great separator. Teams that wanted to invest in that, teams that didn't invest in that, and they wanted to have a level playing field, especially for free agency. But But now the bigger picture on the financials of it, both on an individual front but on the landscape of how the game is shifting its finances is a much bigger issue And the owners knew that that was coming. And that's why the owners are slow playing all of this. And Major League Baseball has a terrible reputation of leaking information and getting into a war of words in the public sphere versus closing the doors and really going head to head with this. Should conversations that are happening now, putting jeopardy on opening day celebrations, spring training getting underway, uh, roster decisions, free agency signings, um i mean legitimate trade decisions too that can affect the the depth chart and perhaps formulate then a success track record for some teams and not other teams that should have been happening right now because they they stood pat for 6 months knowing that this was going to happen they didn't do anything during the lockout or the shutdown in, in covid terms uh, during the shutdown in 2020 where they could have they could have had a collective opportunity on both sides to really hammer out some of these details, knowing the ripple effects of what this is going to be financially a hundred million dollars was the average loss per franchise from the COVID season, a hundred million dollars. You think, okay, in the big picture, if if the ball club is worth 5 billion, what does a hundred million mean? Well, a hundred million means a lot and it costs people a lot of jobs too. And the structure of how they do the franchise, Uh, Does that matter to the players association? Not really, but again, it's the multiple layers behind all of this that the players are really now focusing on, on free agency, roster manipulation, service time manipulation, which is a big thing, which also then factors into uh, your average salary because players are not paid in the off season. You're only paid for the days that you spend in the major leagues. If you do not have a long-term significant guaranteed contract, so the guy that you watch in Buffalo all of a sudden gets promoted, he's in the big leagues for three or four days. Well, he doesn't automatically make $600,000. <laughs> he makes whatever that pro rate is over the course of whatever the calendar is for like 187 days. So is the $3,500 payday pretty good? Yeah, that's pretty good. But if he's only in the big leagues for two days, he made seven grand, And now he's got to figure it out the rest of the year. So um, there are, there are a lot of perks that circle around it. And it's a long-winded answer because it's a really complex situation. And at the end of the day, the I, I believe Major League Baseball and the owners still hold the car keys. But it's got to be an opportunity for the players to present their case, to move the needle and try to shift these things back and forth so you can get the conversation going, can get things started. I believe I believe Major League Baseball will move. In collaboration with the Players Association, but they have to present a deal that makes sense because the owners aren't going to just turn over the purse strings. Um, and, and that's where that's where the, the the standstill in my mind now is, where they're not coming to enough of a of a spot where they can actually dig in on the finances of this thing, and, and for the betterment of the game too at the same time, and and really make some traction. I, you know, we sit here today and it's doom and gloom. I think it can change quickly, but I really, really am skeptical that we will not see a significant delay in in the regular season, regardless of the threats that have happened from the owners and major league baseball and major league baseball doesn't help its own operation here. And I understand the commissioner's office works for 30 different guys and his job is to make them a lot of money. And he's doing that but major league baseball as a steward of the game has wrecked the game and just absolutely crushed any momentum that it potentially could have had with the optics of things, with the handling of things. And I'm, I'm not even talking about the big league level. I'm talking about, you know, towns that have had teams for 50 years and know all of a sudden they wake up one day and their team's gone. Yeah. Um, there, there are a lot of troubling signs within the game right now and, I, I think both sides should take advantage of every opportunity to show some goodwill for, for a fan base locally, regionally, nationally, whatever the case is uh, to, to only promote the good things about the game and grow it.
0: And then the odd thing would be, you know, when they do decide to have any kind of a spring training, how long would that be before you get into a regular season? And then once you get into that, what will have- I w- I'm assuming would have been a shortened regular season unless of course they decided to start. Let's just say hypothetically, they start the regular season on may one, just hypothetically, you know, better than I do, but I'm just throwing out a, a date. So they get to uh, mid October. Now you're, you're at, at game number, what, 140 or something. I'm just going to, again, randomly yeah. throw out a number. Do they then get to a point where they say, okay, we're, we're going to play 162 games, but. We're going to only do it in, you know, domes and warm weather climates, right? I mean, that's the craziness that I, you would know better than me in terms of foresight if that could even happen. But is it that crazy to think that that could happen?
1: No, I don't think so. Um, Because the the current threat is hitting, hitting the Players Association in the wallet. And that means if you delay the season, you don't add to the season. And Major League Baseball loves to formulate its playoff format. Basically, you're already where the regular season this year is already dipping into October. You know, wherever the pickup date is, the regular season will continue into October. And then you've got it laid out because of TV contractual obligations. And Major League Baseball is still fearful of letting the postseason get into November, which it's done in the past. But again, that's way too late. Uh, they don't want it to go into November. The networks don't want it to go into November because it competes with primetime college football and, of course, the NFL yep. and, and other growing sports in the country. So that window for Major League Baseball's playoffs, ideally through October, and that's why the threat now is if we have to lop off games at the front, you're not making them up with double headers and you're not adding games in the back half. So if you lose 20 games, guess what? Now the schedule is 142. If you lose 30 games, we're down to 132. And that's that's kind of what's put on. And this goes back to the impact, you know, what it means in the wallet. Again, it's a per-day rate. So you're, you're only guaranteed what you are in the major leagues here. So it's, it, it will definitely affect a significant amount of players. And that's why they're trying to, to move this thing along. So I don't think Major League Baseball will have to shift its venues. I don't think Major League Baseball – in terms of the players, have to worry about, you know, rescheduling their their golf trip or their family plans around Thanksgiving, uh, because that's not that's not the plan right now. Yeah. Is to adjust the actual calendar of the schedule. They'll just get it started when they can get it started, and that start date you have to back it up will be about four weeks of spring training yeah. because you've got to get rotation set, you've got to get guys good and stretched out.
0: That's crazy, and, and the other thing too is shortened season your team gets operates completely differently strategically and roster wise. Right. If you have to, if you're playing 30 games less than you normally would now you have to, you have to go with a, a much different approach than you might have. Right.
1: Yeah. And we saw this in 2020 when they had to redo the schedule and they tried to keep things regionally and they still tried to, um, you know, have the, the National League versus the American league and some of these early uh, rivalries, which, I know they went with the universal DH and they tried to make it a little bit more of an even playing field. Um, That I don't think would be the case, which then depending on how wild the schedule or how compact the schedule gets, do they redo the schedule where it's a balance of divisional opponents and American league opponents. And you don't worry about, you know, having your natural rivalries built in Uh, to me, that is way less of a concern versus the competitive balance nature of playing in the division, because If the Blue Jays play outside the division, I think teams like the Yankees and the Tampa Bay Rays are going to raise their hand and say, "Uh, hold on a minute. Um, We would like to play the Blue Jays more because then we can control our own destiny because the Blue Jays are thinking, yeah, let's go out west. Let's play the central a little bit more because maybe we can make up some hay and we don't have to play the Red Sox, the Yankees, or the Rays a combined 15 to 18 times. That might work in our benefit if they come up and they, they take care of business. All of a sudden, that becomes a a much bigger crunch in the standing. So there's a lot in play once you start to adjust the schedule. I don't think it's as easy as saying, hey, it's May 1st. Here's where the Blue Jays are supposed to be on May 1st. We'll just pick it up from there and
0: go with it. I don't think it's going to be that easy. Um, So we're talking about consolidating. We're a little bit short on time on on, on your end. So um, unless you feel comfortable, we can keep going, whatever you say. Um, Because I want to get to the Blue Jays, obviously. So the Blue Jays for you, in terms of – Off-season gains, losses, roster moves, things of that nature, uh, rookie impact. Kind of address it all.
1: Oh, wow. Um, It's a lot there, I know. Yeah, the the Blue Jays were originally, they went after some guys that they wanted to lock up, guys that had been on their radar in the past. And, you know, Jose Barrios is at the forefront of of that. And somebody that was identified two years ago by the Blue Jays to really look at from scouting, from uh, resource and in fact finding because of his pending free agency had a chance to get him at the trade deadline because of where the twins were not when they were so expected to be contenders. And all of a sudden the blue Jays were making their push. They went after the guy, signed him to a seven year extension. Kevin Gosman is another guy that had been on their radar the last couple of years, uh, missed out on free agency a couple of years ago, still had uh, on the periphery, really good indicators. The blue Jays liked when he was on the mound. That's why they went after him and got him uh, in my mind. Great start to free agency, great start to the offseason for the Toronto Blue Jays. But things are what they are and why we're in this mess with the CBA. Unfortunately, they had to stop. They had to stop. I don't think the Blue Jays are done. I think the Blue Jays are aggressively going to go after another starter. They like what they've got in reserves, which is good news for Buffalo, because that means the pitch and rotation is going to be deep at AAA. And that's good because they have to be in the insurance policies to get through, especially if it's going to be a whirlwind spring training, you are going to need those innings taken by somebody. And that's where you need the Thomas Hatch, Anthony Kaye's, Trent Thornton's um, whatever Nate Pearson is going to develop into be a starter, be a reliever uh, still TBA. I don't think they're done on the position player side either. I don't think, you know, the blue Jays overall are happy at third base. They'd love to see a quality third baseman. They'd love to see a quality third baseman that's got a bat. And that's where Kevin Biggio has fallen short. That's where as good as he is with the glove, Santiago Espinal is good. And he held his own at the major league level. But what's that going to translate to over 162 or 100 and wherever we are? Is it going to be, you know, at 290 at, at <laughs> or is it going to be at 190? Um, you would love to have a, a little bit more consistency Knowing that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette and George Springer are going to drive this bus. And, you know, the turnaround that Lord Escoriel Jr. had last year was incredible. And talking with some people in the Blue Jays organization, they think that back half of that year is not only a season differential for Lord Escoriel Jr., but it could be career changing like we've seen with Teoscar Hernandez. And there is, I mean, I'm not making this up. Look at the numbers. If you go back to June of 2019, with what Teoscar Hernandez has been able to do, power, average, or either your traditional statistics, uh, savant, or if you like, you know, some of the little bit more deeper Saber metrics and analytics, his numbers across the board put him in elite category across the game. And now we're talking, a significant amount of time and we still might be scratching the surface on the potential that Teoscar Hernandez has and and that is an incredible luxury for the Toronto Blue Jays to have one financially right now um, but also just where he could take the Blue Jays as a driving force in the middle of the lineup. their lineup is outstanding and it's only going to get better with a couple of key acquisitions uh, they still they still have some questions you know what I mean they, they've got some questions and It has to start with pitching. Um, Again, you can bolster the rotation. They'd love to get probably some consistency in in the middle of that bullpen too, but it's definitely further ahead than where it was two years ago when they were losing 91 games. And now you're talking about a club that's poised to win 91 games and maybe even flirt with the century mark. Yeah, Uh,
0: and you got to think George Springer full-time is an addition, right? I mean, from a year ago.
1: Yeah, George Springer is... Is unlike a lot of athletes we see. You know, he's uh, he, he's a gamer. He wants to be in the light of every day. He'd love to play center field and lead off every day. And he's got a lot of comfortability with Dave Hudgens, who saw him with his outstanding years and deep playoff runs in Houston. And I spent a lot of time with Hudge asking him about the makeup of George Springer and what keeps guys like him. And and Springer was also driven by other guys: Carlos Correa, Marwin Gonzalez. Alex Bregman, you know, guys that are high level, high motor guys, the blue Jays have those guys as they were splashing on the scene in Texas. Now the blue Jays have guys splashing on the scene in Toronto, Vladdy, Bo, Lord, Estoriel jr. Teoscar Hernandez, all of this stuff is percolating at the right time. And George Springer in the midst of that is, is a driver and he is developing when he's on the field to be the face of the franchise, both in money and in contract. But There is no doubt Uh, he can play good defense and he is an elite and dangerous hitter when he's at at the top of that lineup. And that's exactly the driver's seat that he wants to be in. He wants to be in in blue Jay terms. He wants to be that looming threat in the seventh and eighth and ninth inning that we watched with Mookie Betts in that leadoff spot with those great runs that the Boston Red Sox have, you know, different skill set, Sure. But again, it's the threat. It's the threat of that bat. The aggressiveness early in the count that George Springer has, the ability not to chase, the veteran at bats, and especially the high-impact at bats when it comes down to the biggest moments, and that's the postseason.
0: Last question. Um, the game has changed yeah. dramatically in the last couple of years, and especially with pitching. Um, what's more important in pitching in 2022 and in baseball going forward, the guy that comes in in the sixth and seventh or eighth inning or the closer? or the couple of guys that are those middle relief guys that can go an inning or two for you? What's more important, that, that one subgroup or the closer himself?
1: Well, I, you know what? I think you, you don't look at necessarily the individual. Um, you have to look at where that individual, in my mind, is going to be asked to get the biggest outs. And that's been the biggest change in the game. And it's different for who you play too, depending on the makeup of your team, but also who your opponent is that night. And the biggest doubts in a situation may come in the sixth inning. And who does a manager go to? And for me, I think, I really still think the toughest three outs to get will be at the end of a ball game, especially in a tight one. That's why you need somebody reliable. But if you've got that guy that is a setup guy that can go in the sixth inning, kind of out of a traditional role and with a runner at second or runner at second and third, less than two outs in a tight ball game. And they get you that one, two, three outs or whatever is required of that guy in that situation. That's where you see some stones and that's where you, that's where you find way more turning points in today's game than what you would have found a decade ago. It's those high leverage, kind of under the radar situations when you look at a box score and you don't realize the situation that a guy was put in. And to me, that's, that's the biggest change in the game. And in why, uh, you know, uh, why saves yes are important, but they, they aren't as weighted as what they used to be, but that's why crafty guys with a little bit deeper of a repertoire, um, you know, are so vastly important to attack, specific spots and specific moments in a ball
0: game uh, out
1: of that bullpen.
0: All right. I lied. Last question. (laughs) Okay. Uh, If the blue Jays don't make the playoffs, how big of a disappointment is that?
1: You know, a lot of that might be out of their control just because of, of where, Boston was a surprise last year. I thought Boston was going to stink. Um, You know, and Boston was a lot better than what they could be. I think the Rays are still going to be a big problem within the division. The Yankees are always going to be a big problem within the division. Blue Jays play the Yankees pretty well. They've had trouble with Boston. Um, The Blue Jays missing the playoffs will be a disappointment, hands down, because that is the expectation within the organization, but specifically with these players. And, And while you can focus a lot on kind of the pocket in New England between the Yankees and the Red Sox, the Toronto Blue Jays have a pretty unique uh, and blossoming battle in rivalry with the Tampa Bay Rays and uh, some of the more entertaining ball games. And, and I would say tense moments between the organizations happen between Tampa Bay and Toronto. Um, and the Blue Jays know that the Blue Jays know that to contend and to make a run at the playoffs, they've got to handle the Rays, whether it's being terrorized at the Trop or doing their own business uh, in, in Toronto. They know that they have to take every opportunity they have within the division and to a man. And, and I got this in 2019. Uh, they, they raised the expectation within that clubhouse. Uh, did they expect to be in the playoffs in 2019? No. That's a, you could say that, but they wanted to change the attitude and it changed quickly in 2019, especially over the last couple of months where guys were given an opportunity to jump into this proving ground. And they took an opportunity in that wild 2020 and said, you know, let's go out and see what happens to all of a sudden it's a sprint to the finish. And they went out and they made it happen. And that's why 2021 was such a punch in the gut. And they, they realized along the way they missed opportunities to position themselves going into what could have been, I remember the day. I mean, there were 14 different playoff scenarios that the Blue Jays could have been in, had a 162, had a 160 or 163 game for a play-in game, could have been uh, a wild card playoff. It could have been all these all these wild scenarios, right? And then at the end of the day, they were left with nothing. And the air went out of the balloon. And that that, I think, is going to be an overall theme that you're going to hear whenever Blue Jays baseball starts up in spring training, uh, is that lingering bitterness, the way that the season concluded with Toronto over that weekend, and that's why I think th- there's going to be some more chips pushed to the middle of the table for the Blue Jays to go out there, and, and that's why I think, you know, you got to win 95 games to even to even think that you're going to be in with some comfortability because of the way the division is stacked up.
0: Well, we, we know that that feeling all too well as Bill's <laughs> fans over the last two years. Um, and, you know, listen, they've been deep in the playoffs both years and you would have you could have argued that that Bill's Chiefs playoff game in the division around this year was the Super Bowl, uh, arguably. Obviously it wasn't, didn't count for that, but we can feel it. and And I certainly hope Toronto feels Buffalo's love for the Blue Jays, because I think it's clearly bigger than it's ever been. I think clearly over the last two years, Toronto was bought Buffalo in in terms of a fan base. If they hadn't been there already, I think they are now. You see the Buffalo Blue Jays T-shirts all over the place, so they have won a lot of new fans here. And, and let's remember too, this was by design, going all the way back to 2012 when
1: Alex Anthopoulos and Paul Beeson came to the ballpark uh, to announce the player development contract in almost this regional family that the Blue Jays and the Bisons. Wanted to start to develop, and it's beneficial for both fan bases, right? You have got droves of Canadian fans that may have not have an opportunity, especially on the southern end of the peninsula, and in Ontario, to to one not only come down for a ball game and enjoy what is unbelievable weather across the summer months in Western New York in a beautiful ballpark in a beautiful setting to see the next wave of Blue Jays or guys that they're familiar with on the shuttle up and down. Uh, but this is something that was dreamed up between the Blue Jays and the Bisons and thought was to be a long time coming between the two organizations. And finally it worked out where they could put their AAA team just a couple of hours and a car away from being an insurance policy, but also an opportunity to build regional baseball fans and and have. Blue Jays appear on television and connect with young fans that remember watching the Kevin Pillar's Marcus Stroman's as they went from Buffalo and then on to Toronto. And now you've got this next wave. Well, you saw Kevin, you saw Bo, you saw Vladdy, uh, you saw Danny Jansen have an unbelievable season as a triple A guy. And now you're gonna see Otto Lopez, you're gonna see Gabriel Moreno, you're gonna see Nate Pearson and this next wave of unbelievable prospects go through Western New York and become Blue Jays. So yeah. Wear that badge of pride. You know, you hosted a ball club at Major League Baseball for a couple of years. Uh, you know, did anybody foresee that happening? Absolutely not. But you wanted to see promotion within the organizations, growth within the game of baseball, and to have that connection between both cities. And it's definitely there. And I, I think both, both places, um, you know, can look back at this pocket of time as a badge of honor and, and the way that they were able to get through it, host it and orchestrate the ball games and get them done. And thankfully, 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 uh, fans got to be part of that experience because that's the one thing, being so intimately involved in both ends of this, right? Going back to my years as the Bisons broadcaster, now with the Blue Jays broadcast, I really thought that Buffalo was done a disservice and so were the Blue Jays without Western New York fans being allowed through those turnstiles. So in 2021, I was certainly thankful that at least Western New York Got a chance to pour in and show their support in some ways
0: for sure well listen man i will give uh i'll give your best to our friends at 99 i know uh used to frequent uh that restaurant bar which i do uh, well, david nadine hello for me i This'll. will definitely do that in lancaster yeah. uh, on aurora street um of course uh best to all of you there uh, it, i'm sorry it took away an hour of your sunshine almost go out and get some sunshine talk some baseball whatever's next on your agenda And thanks for being in the basement, man. I'm glad we can make this happen. And let's do it again, hopefully, at some point during the season, all right?
1: Figures are crossed. The season arrives sooner rather than later. Right on, man. Great to see you. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Anytime.